Let's finish it. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Closing Pitch. My name is Spiker Helms, and this is a show about people, culture, and how to create a winning lifestyle. It's more of like, I would say, it's not that we know how to create a winning lifestyle. It's more of we're on this path of trying to figure out what are the best strategy tactics. We're trying. We're trying. That's the key word, <laughs> trying. Um, and in this episode, we want to talk about incentives. And we want to talk about um, building relationships. And before we jump into the podcast, Rafi is on his third appearance Ooh. on the different <laughs> podcasts that we do. <laughs> How does You're it feel? Fun. You're a three-peat. Three-peat. Nothing like being a three-peat. And he, he's no longer a guest celebrity. He's now no. part of the show. Well, it was, well, again, I was never the celebrity. It was just the guest. Yeah, part. Well, I mean, you made it to Major League Baseball. So, Still I mean, I, I wasn't guess, good I'm enough. guessing you're... <laughs> You made it to Major League Baseball. I had an eight ERA in D two. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, you're you're my celebrity. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate that. But you know what? He looks handsome today. You know why? Because yes. you guys are twinsies. Because <laughs> we're, we're we're both wearing practically the same shirt. Yes. So um, we are. <laughs> <laughs> we did not pass on to the memo to Jaws and Dave. So Stitch Fix. Shout out to Stitch Fix. Yes, exactly. For me, at least. Exactly. <laughs> the other person that we have on the podcast is the boss himself. So I hope I don't mess up and get fired <laughs> to start to start this show off. So and then is he your celebrity? <clears throat> is he your I get, I get celebrity he, guest? I mean, he is a celebrity. Like right, anytime that Jaws is on the show, like it just everyone just starts sharing. The numbers the show. go up. I yeah. know. Yeah, so yeah, right. the numbers go higher. So talking about incentives. This is our incentive right now for everyone to share the. Let me start with Spiker is not getting fired. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now we can go on. We'll find out. Dave, um, bring us in on the subject. This is something that you were passionate about about last night as we were texting. Um, Bring in and kind of frame out this conversation, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, I mean, I think we're talking about player development today, and it's. Obviously, we want to help the swing. We want to help pitching. We want to help everything. But I think when you're talking about building up a relationship, it's more about player, or it's more about building the relationship first, then player development second. And I've noticed that with you guys, all three, and how you teach, like you specifically, Rafi. Yeah, I mean, I always do my best to be honest right away. But at the same time, you're trying to get to know them, so they're not, you know, you're just not another run-of-the-mill person telling them what they're doing wrong. Uh, especially baseball, you're. You're constantly told what you're doing wrong. Uh, rarely are you being told what you're doing right. So I always try and like, as we're working the lesson, like, hey, you're doing this really well, but. Um, and I hate to always kind of have a but in it, but it's the only way they're going to understand and get better, in my opinion. But like during the lesson, I'll, I'll ask them how their day is going, how's school going, any new friends, just kind of checking in on their day-to-day to life, like while we're picking up the baseballs or in between swings. And sometimes I just feel like that helps it gets their mind off of hitting and messing up sure and it maybe just distracts them a little bit from um being nervous to fail um a lot of kids i think just are just nervous to fail which is normal and so yeah just try and you know just literally just asking how their day goes even if i hardly know them well and it builds trust right? yeah and then now all of a sudden like they're one thing i always joke around about with my family outside of baseball is no one ever listens to me and I love my job because the kids listen to me. And even my brothers, I was like, yeah, no one in our family listens to you, even if you're right, which is a lot. <laughs> and he's just like, these kids will literally do whatever you say. And so I think a lot of that has to do with just like the, just the perception that I care about them outside of baseball too. 
Yeah. One of my favorite books of all time is, um, and it's a famous book. A lot of people have read it. It's How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you haven't read it, catch of the story is, is that um, I want to be more invested into the other person rather than being invested into myself. And what I've seen is, is that you are, Rafi is a major league, was a major league baseball player. I, I think that holds weight, obviously, with the players, but I've seen a lot of major league baseball players that have tried to teach, and the kid literally does not care one bit. And then we've had instructors that have had no major league experience, hasn't even played the game outside of high school, and they, they get the respect of the room right away. And I think the reason is is that they provide an absolute interest in their players. They know every specific detail. The, the words that we love to hear the most is our own name. So whenever you're able to say someone's name, remember facts, and being able to repeat that over and over again, you create that trust inside of that community. Which, which is, to me, everything. I mean, based on, if you want a kid to make a hard adjustment, he has to trust in you and, and know that you're there fighting with him, right? I mean, that has to be the number one layer before you ever talk about any of those changes. And I think it's changed even more now than ever because you have social media that plays a factor in it. Um, I've noticed just in my short career starting in 2015 as a coach is that I was, I was able to create a long lasting relationship with my first team because I was able to say, all right, I will get on Snapchat. I will get on Facebook messenger. I will get wherever you guys are paying the most attention to. And I'm going to spend a lot of time making sure that I'm developing that relationship. So when I was coaching, one thing that I would always do is that I would create Snapchat stories. You guys remember that. Mm -hmm. The whole purpose of those Snapchat stories was not to um, be famous or anything, but I knew that that's where the attention was for my players. So I would create stories that were related to them. I would show my personal side because one thing about coaching that I absolutely hated when I was a player was I had no idea who the other coach was i didn't i just knew him from like the just being on the field and then when i saw him out outside it was like oh my gosh look a wild animal yeah. <laughs> he's not wearing his uh, uniform that's a wild animal you just knew him as coach is like the guy who's gonna teach you the technical and it's the same yeah. thing with teachers uh, you, yeah. like i would i'd be like whoa that she actually like lives here she actually like, goes to the grocery store <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a teacher it's not she's just not a teacher so I think this whole social aspect is very interesting on social media, and um, I, I, I give a lot of props to coaches that um, provide that context and is go, or they're going to the player and where their attention is rather than um, being outside and being like, oh, they're just into video games. Oh, you're, you're wasting your time on video games. Oh, you're wasting your time on Snapchat. Oh, you're wasting your time on whatever the case may be rather than saying, I'm going to insert myself in there. Why are they interested in that? Because if they're interested in it, I'm going to be interested in it. Makes it. You, it makes you relatable. That's what it ultimately comes down to. And if you're relatable to them, then you're not necessarily like the, the teacher versus the student. It's more so on the same page. Mm. You know? and, and again, it all. I've spent three lessons before I've ever told a kid to change something, just trying to learn how they, how they speak, how they talk, how they learn, how they go about their business what their likes are, what their dislikes are, how was their day in school, like you said, just going about everything or social media or, you know, what's your interest in because then I know how I can approach them. And if I know that, then I can really kind of deep dive into their, their skills at that point. Josh, I got a question for you. I mean, 
before I met you and before we started the Tigers, you taught for like 10 straight years, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of lessons. I mean, a ton. Yep. Like you were mm -hmm. three to 10, like every night. Mm -hmm. Did you approach it that way? Is that was because you, I mean, yeah. I've seen families who've come back who you've taught their son and they're now 35. Yeah. But I mean, they're still friends of yours. Yeah. No, I the same way. You just kind of get to know the, the person, the individual, the family and build a relationship. And then it, it takes off from there. Um, kind of a, not so much like on the lesson side, but what an experience of me that happened was on the minor leagues with uh, the Minnesota twins back in the Appalachian league. And Jose Marzan was our manager. And I remember this, this was in a small little town in Tennessee and yeah, low A ball. <laughs> Do you know Jose? <laughs> no, no, but I know okay. the league. Appalachian league. All right. <laughs> this is back in 97, the first yeah. year I got drafted and every single day we're in stretching lines. And Coach Marzan would walk around the line to every single player and say something. Hey, was that call outside last night? Or, you know, was that, was that not a strike? Or he'd say, like, you ready to, ready to pitch today? Or, hey, I like those shoes, right? Mm -hmm. So, he, but he got in the, the kids' minds right away. And then every kid on that team is engaging with the coach. Like, to me, that's huge. So I picked up on that early. And I actually did it when I coached my team. And I don't know if my kids realized it. My parents probably weren't even there that early. But every game they would play catch. That's what I did. I'd walk around the catch line. And I'd start, let's say we're on the first baseline. I'd go down to every player, walk to the outfield, get the other side, and be like, you know, hey, uh, Mason, you're not, you're not starting today. Be ready to pitch. We're getting a bump here. You might need some guys in relief just to kind of get their minds right. Or, you know, hey, uh, Trey, I like the shoes, man, or cool high black today. Just to loosen them up a little bit and connect with them and let them know that you care. I block you know? nowadays is this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. entire face covered. Yeah, I blacks become an art. If you're listening, Robbie <laughs> just literally but, posted his all his hands onto his cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But I think it can set the tone. It can it can loosen a group up if you need to, or it can if the group is too loose. Maybe they're not taking their opponent serious enough. Then you can tighten the screws on it during that walkthrough. So, I mean, you can individualize it with lessons, too, or in that type of setting, but it's all about this, the people, relationships, trying to get their mind ready in the right spot to play. And it just impacted me as a, as a coach and teacher. That's when I kind of first realized it. So, so how did those players then um, respond to you, like, when you needed to check them well, in, when you needed to make an adjustment, when you needed to teach them? How did they respond after that? I mean, <clears throat> yeah, yeah, good. I mean, because they felt like you are on their side. And even – and you guys have been there as players. Like, you don't always hear feedback from coaches at any level, every level, right? But sometimes you do. A lot of times you do. But, like, if, if you're in the – I'm going back to my minor league days. And, you know, I, I remember going through streaks where I was like 0 for 20. And I thought the sky was falling down. It was. Right? It was. Like, all of a sudden it got real cloudy. But, 0 for 10 it's falling down. But that coach came around and talked to me and, you know, kind of loosened it up and it let me know, hey, he still believes in me and I'm part of this team. I'm, I'm going to get out of this thing. So I think psychologically it can go a long way for that trust factor with the coach and the player, you know. Um, One of my favorite coaches of all time, um, it was actually a summer league coach, and he would – spend time playing video games with us like after oh, the really? games yeah and the guys that were 21 obviously could drink beer and everything like that so we'd be just drinking beer and playing video games and having a blast just chilling <laughs> and he would and we would stay into the clubhouse till about like 1 a.m and then we'd just repeat the next day and what happened was on the field 
Like we literally die for this man because like he was building that relationship, yeah. talking trash, being competitive, and obviously being a 21 year old in a summer league. Like you, you love that because you feel like it's like minor league baseball. Yeah. So I mean, he's got you right. Like you're on his team now. You know, yeah. and you you feel that yeah. that side of it. So, but then you have other coaches that will actually fight against it. Like they'll <clears throat> want to be the enemy. Which I think I find it's a, a super interesting. It's a weird authority complex. I feel like. <laughs> I feel like they're they're there, and I'm not saying this is a bad thing one way or the other, but I feel like sometimes coaches are there and just like, I'm the coach. You listen to me. I'm here to teach you, and they forget about the other side of it. And then when you kind of approach it that way first, I know if, as, I, as a player, if I got approached like that, I can be like, whoa, dude, what's up? What do you, what do you think is the best – coaching style like you have the friend who ends up becoming like the absolute friend then you have the enemy then you have the dad that where you view him as a father figure and then um you actually have an authoritarian that you can actually relate to what what do you guys think is the best approach for we kind of touched on that i think the first podcast a little bit with like coaches and the minor leagues and whatnot and like thinking back i don't know if i can pick one um, because for me personally, even the certain teams I was on, each coach, whether we liked them or not, kind of had their own style. And I think it was partly due to that team or to their personal uh, things that have happened to them in their life. So like, I brought up my double-A manager a while back, mm -hmm. and I first year playing for him, I, I couldn't stand him. And then I came back, and he ended up being one of my favorite coaches I ever had, Buddy Bailey. You might have even heard of him. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He was, he's coached in the minor leagues for over 30 years. Uh, played in the big leagues a little bit with the Red Sox, bench coach in the big leagues for the Red Sox a little bit. And he was probably, if you asked a lot of kids I play with, like their least favorite coach. And like he ended up being one of my favorites. And really all you had to do was win his respect, but it was hard to win his respect. And what do you mean by winning his respect? Like, what did you have to do? He, was he it, was it playing well? It was, or was it, was it playing well, more being like a man, uh, being a man. A lot of it was, are you getting better? Um, he was, he was one that couldn't stand these players that just never got any better. And once you showed him, he like, you had to prove to him that you could play beyond the double A level, um, and and by that I mean as a man play beyond the double A level, not just play. So it wasn't amount. It wasn't the amount of hours that you put in. It was a matter of are you actually are you doing the little things on the field? Are you preparing before the game? Like those little things. Being a good pro. Yeah, being a good yeah. pro, and like if you were a good pro, you'd want his respect. If you weren't, it didn't matter how good you were. He was. He'd be the biggest jerk in the world to you. Um, so he, he viewed you as a child, basically. Literally, literally. And, and people could not stand him. And I was one of them. And then my second year going back to him, I remember being like, not another. Luckily, I was only there two months in reality because I wanted to go to AAA. And I was there two months. And those two months, I remember being like, this is a totally different coach towards me. Uh, maybe not towards other players. And I look back, and a lot of it was if I couldn't mentally deal with him, I wouldn't be where I was at now or at the time with, with baseball. Mm -hmm. And I, he, I, at times I thought this guy hated me. And, and in reality, towards the end of my double-A career, before I got promoted, he would do what kind of stuff you did. Like all of a sudden he'd come talk to me. And the year before he wouldn't talk to me, and I didn't know why. Maybe now it's because I had to prove to him that I was a pro. And I remember by the end of my double-A career, like actually like, I'm going to miss this guy. Like he really prepared me mentally for this game. So it's, I think it's kind of that. And then I had other coaches I couldn't stand, hope I never see him again, <laughs> to be honest. But it's, I don't know, 
I think there is a right way and a wrong way. I also think there's a lot of grayer in between. And for me, sometimes those coaches that I actually hated at first, I ended up loving. Florida State head coach, same thing. At first, I couldn't stand him. Even playing for him, didn't really like him. Now I look back and I'm like, I would do it all over again. I think it's coach. Yeah, I think it's a blend to answer your question. Yeah, it's got to be a blend. I don't know. I think in every player, there's going to be. So I need to be a little bit more authoritative with this guy. I need to be a little bit more of a friend with this guy. I need to be a little bit more of a dad figure to this guy. But I still think it's a blend. I don't think it's like you know twenty percent down the line because I think you mentioned five things, but it could be you know it's gonna the whole situation is gonna dictate how I approach that. But it's got to be a blend. It can't be 50% authoritative because then you're going to have 75% of the guys not like you. Yeah. I guess it also deals with age groups too because obviously with instructing because we all have instructed, um, the age groups are totally different. Like your how you approach the different levels is different. Like I today I have a 7-year-old and that barely knows how to play the game and literally doesn't know where his – left foot is to his right hand but then i'll have an advanced player michael callahan who flat out hits the baseball and i have him back to back so it's like it changes you got a different spiker it absolutely it absolutely yeah. flips so the lovable likable spiker with the seven-year-old ends up changing to this you gotta do this gosh darn it right now <laughs> in a matter of like a minute but you're trying to get the most out of that player yeah exactly I mean, yeah. and because you the the level of play has changed. The incentives have changed. The goals have changed. And I guess that's the big thing is measuring up the player of what it, what are their actual goals? Are they here just to be happy go lucky? Are they just enjoying just being on the field? And that's yeah. that's not from just seven year old. There's there's some fifteen year olds that are like oh, that. Yeah. Um. And then you have guys that have absolute one hundred percent percent concrete goals. Like here's a really good example: Eric Webb who you guys know, um, MIAA player um, of the year. Yeah, hits a whole bunch of home runs. And you could tell there was a goal there, but also he was a happy-go-lucky guy. And if you tried to teach him how to hit, it was like you were breaking the Lamborghini before driving it. (laughs) Yeah, he was the epitome of C-ball, hit-ball. Yeah, simplify the game. And that was how his his approach was just like, you know, I think we faced a – a uh, 16th overall pick one summer, and he was like, "That's really cool that we get to face this guy." Man, he's throwing 94, cool. And I was just like, "Yeah, go hit him." And yeah. he did. I kind of wish there was more guys like that. Really. Oh, he's throwing 95. Oh no, <laughs> I want the 78. Like, you know, meat, like meat day today is. That's cool. And then you go hike. You know, and it, <laughs> that was just him. But then you had another player who was as equally as successful as Eric Webb who was a hard worker and would listen to literally everything that you said, which is Kenny Piper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he would try to implement and be a hard worker and he had goals. And when you could be more stringent with him, like he, he fed off that competition, like, man, you suck right now. And he's like, you told me I suck. I'll, like, I'll show you. And then you, he ends up showing, showing you and hitting a bunch of doubles. I love game. those guys. Oh, they're they're awesome. <laughs> they're awesome. They're awesome. And I feel like those guys are the engine of the team. Yeah. The Eric Webbs are the more of the relaxed atmosphere where it ends up everyone's able to be more relaxed and less stressful because if you have a whole bunch of guys that are just full of piss and vinegar and just want to compete like hell, um it ends up being um a stressful situation on the team again i like those guys the most but at the same time you need that eric webb that's in there that's gonna lighten up the mood and we're gonna actually go out there and have some fun 
All right, this is what, kind of what Dave was saying along those lines is every, every kid is different. Every player is different. And to me, the, the coach's responsibility at any level, 7U, 10U, 15U, pro ball, get the most out of every player. How, how do you maximize that kid's ability? And a lot of it's mental, getting him plugged in the right way. And like I said, some need a pat on the back. Mm -hmm. Some need to come down hard on. Some need to pay attention more. <laughs> like right. there's all different stuff. As a coach, you got to know those players individually, get them to buy in and develop. Once you have that, then you have all these parts you got to put together to try to go win a ball game. You know, so I think it's kind of twofold, and that, that's more like the managing style. Yeah. Then you got your individual approach with every player. So if you combine those, that, that to me, that's a good culture. Do so, you, do you think that's but, changed draws since, like, I know I'm not like the host here, but I'm asking questions. Hey, you're the host right now. You, you just <laughs> took it. You just took to be the host at uh, 22 minutes and 58 seconds. Right after you it. just bought the show. So did I? <laughs> do, do you think, um, you know, you've coached a long time. Do you think that's changed at all? Like, the, do you think the players, the, the players you taught then are different than the players you've taught now? Like, do you think it's a totally different gamut of players? Because I do. And I, I'm interested to see you being a generation before me, even as a player, how much has that changed? Yeah. Yeah. I guess, like, looking back, and it, I would think, right? I mean, how have you seen it? I, like, I, I, think, I think it's changed. I will, I will say the, this. I mean, you just think kids in general, probably. Yeah, right? more, yeah like, true, beyond baseball true. And stuff, yeah, you're right. right? Like, I guess it's more, more beyond baseball. 100%. More distractions, more of the the phone era yeah right? like, yeah it's, like, it's different okay you know, you know we're not kids are putting their headphones in before games and i'm like out. uh no <laughs> yeah because yeah. you know, the airpods you hide it behind their hair now yeah yeah i think one of the biggest things that's changed in terms of how we teach is that if you want an answer in today's culture you can get on your phone and get it in a second yeah you get a quick fix right yeah i want to know something i can go to google right i want to know how to hit i can go to youtube when you make an adjustment or when you're working with a kid, it's a slow process. It's never yeah. just that quick. Yeah. When you're trying to teach something or implement it in the game, it's just not that fast. And a lot of kids get frustrated with that. That's a good point of view. That's yeah. where I think a lot like coaches will never be out of date um, because there's so much information out there. I can get answers, however, for how to develop my skills. But at the same time, there's nothing like getting into a cage and then an instructor being able to move your body the right way. So that you actually feel it, because like you, because because the, the internet can't make you feel it unless we get into metaverse and augmented oh, reality. No, no, no. no, I no, no. I sent you that video of the pool table. Right. Oh, was it, was it floating? No, like I'm just saying. I'm just kidding. So it, <laughs> Maybe Dave we, doesn't want to go down this route. I can but see why. <laughs> I'm going to go down this route. Oh boy, he has a strict 11 o'clock policy today. Just remember that. Okay. So there's artificial intelligence for pool tables where it, like they're just now building it so it's like super saw you post, yeah where it actually shows you how to it's actually cheating. shoot it it's cheating it's teaching you you're not going to use that in actual like a game game but it's teaching you how to actually shoot different shots like so, how to beat the shift a pool <laughs> no 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 like literally it's it shows like you a laser lines. and we'll okay. show you the exact line you have to hit the ball to, to get it in so Education and teaching is about to get really interesting in a matter of like five to 10 years. So I can just press a button and like a virtual reality robot shows up and like shows them exactly how to swim. Probably. Well, look at when reality. Oh, yeah. But that's more pitch decision. Yeah, but then if you get augmented, they can do that. But if you get augmented reality where you're wearing glasses and then it shows different screens out in front of you while the ball's coming in. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 
So let me, scares let me go back me. to this. Scares me. Let me go back to this point real quick. If so, think we're talking about relationships. We're talking about building that up and having all the different assets and how you do it. When we're talking about how kids get frustrated like that when they can't achieve something quickly, I think that's the most pivotal mo- pivotal moment. That if you don't have the relationship built up, they tune you out. They're done because you've in essence failed them right there. Because I can tell you, hey, do this. There's no way you're going to get that like that. So now if they're going to go through failure, failure, failure before they succeed, well, they're not going to trust you if you haven't built it up, if you haven't kind of deep dove into that. If you don't have the weight behind yeah. your name. Because so, I, yeah, I can tell you, stick to the process, but I, they're going to be like, this dude sucks. I will say this, that Rafi has a distinct advantage over most because he has that major league status behind him, right? Sure. So if a kid mishits a ball... He'd be like, okay, I probably did it wrong because he's telling me to do this. It mishits it again. Okay, I'm probably doing it wrong again. But and then over time, if you if he's still wrong and you're still telling him the same thing, then that's when they start tuning you out. But now if you have a coach that doesn't have a background in college sports or major league baseball, professional baseball, their their rope is a lot smaller than like my rope or your rope or Rafi's rope or even Aaron's rope. And I noticed it this summer with, with you in particular, Roth, um, with Max. So, like, you built up such a rapport with that kid throughout the entire offseason. And he had to make, like, arguably one of the biggest jumps in our program in terms of how he threw the baseball. He was coming off an injury, and he just – it was it, – He's a catcher. Kind of – yeah, he was a catcher. He's a catcher, he yeah. To, yeah. to give a little bit of backstory of this, like, I'm – at tryouts, it was not good. No. It was – like – and Max knows this. It was not a good tryout from a defensive standpoint. Yeah, I mean, he, he had that injury. To, I, I can't remember if it was rotator or labrum, but he, he had that injury. And then he kind of lost his way on how to throw. It builds up some really bad form. And then we kind of told him, well, listen, we know you can hit. We know you're big and strong. We know you can do those things, but you need to put in a lot of time to get that better. And then he jumped on board with you. And, dude, it's like – that kid's all in on anything you say, which is great. And he made a huge transformation. That's what, you know, I thought of with today's topic. Yeah, I appreciate that. He was fun to work with, and a lot of it was him. He made it easy. He made it to where his attitude and, like, kind of – he's a little goofy, I'll be honest, and I've told him that. And he knows it, and, and that's why everyone loves him, is he is a little goofy. It's kind of like what you were talking about earlier, with like certain kids are that certain part of the team – and from from day one, it was, uh, you know, how's school going? Oh, dude, Raph, I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm just ready for summer ball. I'm so excited for summer ball. And just tell me whatever I have to do, I'll do it. He was that kind of kid, really. So, I mean, it was day one. It was just like, whatever you have to tell me, do it. I'll, I'll stand upside down. Like, he but had that I'm attitude. Sh- I'm sure there was a moment when he was throwing because it was a big change in what you did. Part sure of it there was is a moment they, where he was like, yeah. dude, what are we doing? I mean, sometimes with the instruct- instructing, it's – they. You have to give them some cookies quick, you know, and that cookie's got to taste good and it's got to look good. And I think within a first session, he saw an adjustment, something that was, wow, that's way better than what I was doing. And like, A, that, I mean, that's how you build trust partially is like, so they can see some success quickly mm-hmm. and then realize that, hey, like, okay, there's plateaus, there's there's all sorts of ups and downs and ebbs and flows with, with getting better. Um, there's times you're going to go down first before you go back up, then you're going to plateau for a while all that. And so he was very easy to kind of gave him something very quickly to, that showed improvement. And then it became, you know, he really had to put the work in with all the other stuff, but throwing, it was literally like, Hey, I want you to feel like you're throwing sidearm. 
And first throw, he's just like, it doesn't hurt. And so right like that, you, you already gain that kid's trust too on top of everything else. And, but he put it to work in and he was willing to try it and willing to do it. Do you think you only have like one shot on most kids? Like when you present something? No, I mean, maybe some kids, but I, I think if you are invested, like we've been talking about, and I think sometimes it's, I mean, there's some kids I feel like that they'll come see me. They don't really need that much help. Mm-hmm. They just kind of want to be around somebody to, um, I mean, Luke Burns is a great example. I, I don't think he needs a ton of help. I think he's a pretty good player as far as his hitting goes. I mean, little things here and there that he's come with me that he's gotten better. But sometimes I think players like that, they just want to be around someone that they can throw their ideas about their swing at you mm-hmm. and see what you think. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, I mean, we'll go, we'll talk a lot. And it's sometimes just like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. Like, what do you think? Did you go through this as a player? How did, and when you were a junior in high school, like what was going through your mind? Mm-hmm. Um, we're like, yeah, we still work on hitting and he's improved, but sometimes it's, I think those players maybe not always have to see an improvement right away and they can fail a little bit and they just want to be around you. Do you think it's like they're trying to search for like stories and try to see like how they can relate to it to where yeah, they're like, totally. okay, that's the path that he's taken. I could take a similar path yeah. to get to the spot that he was at. Yeah. And we joke, I mean, we joke, you talk about like, oh, big leagues and, and all that. But at the same time, I'm not, we've talked about, I'm not your ordinary big leaguer. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not your ordinary professional. Um, I'm small. I'm short. I've gone through all sorts of weird ways to get to where I was. And so they know that story. And so I think they wonder like whether their goal is big leagues or not. I just want to know how I can get to the next level. D1, D2, D3, NAI, whatever it is. This is what's going through my mind. Did you go through, did this go through your mind? Did you think negatively about yourself at times playing? When you were in a slump, did you feel this way? And I think they're like, well, if he felt this way, I can, I'll get out of this too, even though I I feel the same way he's feeling. And look where he went. Mm -hmm. So maybe now I can get out of this little, even if it's not baseball, just school or life, like a negative thought in their head. Like, hey, did did you think this in high school? Did you go through this in college? Like, because I'm feeling that right now kind of thing. And that's what's cool about some of these older high school kids that, are already better mm-hmm. and still looking to improve, they also can just bounce ideas off your head and like feelings that they're just having. And then those are, I think, are some of the more mature players that can talk to that stuff. I think that's the value prop of club sports in general because, guys, if there was no money in this, you wouldn't have us in a room. If there was no money in it, you probably wouldn't have majority of coaches. It would just be... Um, guys that um, were in it to because um, they had a player in it. Um, I think that club sports has really provided that platform for players to come in and being able to learn from the best of the best. And I think soccer is a really prime example of that where you have these Europeans that came over to the States to play in MLS and then or indoor soccer. And they said, you know what, I just want to put shop up here. And then they started creating these different clubs and the next thing you know, all these soccer players started popping up out of St. Louis that were just unbelievable, and they're going over to Europe and kicking ass. So I think from a club sports standpoint, I'm really excited for the next five to ten years because you're going to have a lot more players that are going to make that big jump, and we're going to see those guys in professional baseball, more of them. I don't think it's going to be less. I think there's actually going to be more. I mean, you saw that with balls and strikes. I mean, yeah. when you propped up shop, we, you had a whole bunch of dudes mm-hmm. get to Major League Baseball. Like 20 or 30 come through that place. Yeah, and even like, but 
looking back then versus now, like look how many more resources there are now. Oh yeah. The the different obviously instructors change over time and um, just to let everyone know that balls and strikes is just a six cage facility and yeah. it propped up a lot of major league players. Yeah. Like Max Scherzer, um and that was open Luke Voigt twenty one years ago. Jake Berger. Yeah. I mean yep. go down the list. Brian Howard. Like it, it was, it's was just a six cage. Now you have these big clubs that are starting to pop up. What's what's the likelihood that you're going to have more college players that have yeah. more opportunities and more professional baseball players? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. going to happen. Oh yeah, totally. So just everything's more, and like I said, more resources, more instruction. Things are deeper. Just like kids are playing right, and it's just going to be more. I totally agree. So. Um, I will say this, like the difference between players now than before is a a good example of just, I I hope this does change in the future is that when players get hit by a pitch, they think that it's personal and they, (laughs) they stare down the pitcher. If you are a coach and you have a player that does that, please stop the game and tell them not to do that and like make an example of it because it is not a good thing in baseball because that kid has no idea where the ball's going. And if he says that he tried to hit you on purpose, he's lying. They have no idea where they're trying to throw it. Rafi, t- give us the example <laughs> of minor league baseball and them being able to spot up a pitch. This is the best, best in the world trying to spot up a pitch. Yeah, I mean, even big leagues at times, like they're not hitting their spot. And everyone get even coached, come on, hit your spot. I'm like, well, they're not going to. It's a general area we're going for, not a spot. And, I mean, I can remember numerous times, like, the coach seldomly being like, hey, we're hitting this guy. And you, you put down the sign, you talk ahead of time, just set up inside, put your glove up. And, like, they can't hit the guy. <laughs> they're throwing it behind it. They're missing here. And then, like, the coach is like, you get one shot. And then they'll, like, you'll call an away fastball and they'll hit the guy. And, like, I go out talk to the pitcher, dude, we got one chance. Why would you hit him? I was trying to go low and away, man. I promise. <laughs> so, like, you know, like, literally, you're given a sign to hit the guy. They miss. You go low and away, the complete opposite, and they yank it and hit the guy. You know, to, like, a lefty, let's say, a right-handed pitcher. And I'm just like, if you're, uh, you know. If, if you're a, <laughs> so if you're a young pitcher, if yeah. I was in high school right now and I saw it's, that, I would tell that per- player, get the down the line. I'm not trying to hit you. Get down that line. Stop no, acting like I a agree. baby. I mean, like, even. It just, it, it frustrates the living hell yeah, out of it's, me. It's tough. My, my dad would, uh, when we go, my mom hated it when me and my dad would go, you know, batting practice at the field because at some point he'd hit me. And I would always think, like, he's doing it on purpose, Dad. Like, get really <laughs> mad. And my mom hated it because she knew when we came home, it was a massive fight. And so it got to the point where I was like, my dad was hitting me. He, he actually did. He, like, if he, if, if he accidentally hit me and I was just like, gosh, dad, he'd just start hitting me on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a hey, lesson. Rafi, it was a here's really, another one. Yeah. It, what a great, it was a great lesson. He was yeah. just like, I'm not trying to hit you on purpose. But you know what? Since you're being a little, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to hit you on purpose now. And it did teach me, like, when I was a kid, like, to not, if I got hit, I was just like, okay, it probably was on purpose. Now, three, four times or three times in a game, I'd be like, all right, guys, figure it out. But it was funny is that in high school, being a better hitter, and I had to crowd the plate, umpires, massive zones, I'd get hit a lot. And, mm-hmm. and I'd always have an elbow guard from, like, 10 years old on, uh, being that that lead elbow was my throwing elbow. And uh, I didn't get mad about it, really. I'd just be like, oh, I got hit. Like, great. I don't, I don't, no stress. <laughs> I get first base. Yeah. Um, and like something my dad taught me was he actually started hitting me on purpose to get out of my mind of the times when he wasn't trying to hit, like when he wasn't trying to hit me, I'd get so mad. And like, so he kind of taught me at a young age to like, get over it. 
it's okay to get hit. That's what I love about <laughs> college baseball. Cause like what, what team was it that started sprinting down the line right when they got hit? The was hard it, 90. Yeah. The hard 90. Yeah. What, what, who was that? That started that? Was it Michigan? Like that. I don't know. I don't remember. Florida state. If you got out of the wave of pitcher out of the game, oh, you, that, were expected, yeah. you were expected if that ball was over the white, the chalk of the batter's box to turn, to not turn into it, but to, if you did one of those, stick your hands out yep. and kind of back away from it, you're out of the game. I mean, they we would work with tennis balls where we just sit there and we work on just turning in, not sticking our elbow out, keeping our elbow tight, and if and letting it hit us. Yeah, which and makes a lot of sense. Did not let it hit us. We were at, we were not going to be on that team, and so I always thought that was interesting because their goal was on base percentage. How many times can we get on base? If we can get on base, we're going to win. It was that simple. And well, so it's a like three-headed now, monster. If yeah, you if you have a walk and error, if you have a walk and error or hit by pitch, that's three three-headed monster. If you get two of those heads, you have an eighty percent chance of scoring. Yeah. So I agree. Stop looking at hit by pitch like the d- dudes do it on purpose. Yeah, it hurts for like five seconds. And so my my team, my team, my thirteens and fourteens. The last two years, I refer back to them, and even my previous team before that. It, every it, it was like a, a macho thing. Like if if they ducked out of a way from a pitch. The whole bench would get on them. They're like, "Wear it, kid. Wear yeah. it. Come yeah. on, wear it." But the funny thing is, none of our kids would stand up there and wear it. <laughs> so, <laughs> they, I mean, at that age, right? Maybe it's as they get older, they learn yeah. different. Maybe how to take a pitch or, or lean in, like you say, a little bit, or stay in there. That's but, tough for the younger guys. Oh too. yeah, when they're 10, 11, yeah, 13, those kids aren't staying there wearing it. They're trying mm-hmm. to get out as fast as they can from getting hit. But on the bench. They're all tough trying to tell their teammates to wear it. <laughs> but it, but it's, it it's it's different for those younger age groups. Like if they get hit and they, it hurts, like that's their first yeah. time ever getting hit. Yeah. And I've always told Natural my – Natural reaction, you're going to get out of the way. Yeah, I've always told my hitters that were like scared of the ball, I would say if you don't get hit one or two times in a year, there's a problem. Yeah. And then their mind completely switches right away. They're like, wait, what? I was like – you're going to get hit. If you're not getting hit one or two times, that means that you're not being competitive enough and you're not getting up on top of that plate and trying to actually get hits. You're, you're more worried about getting actually hit by the baseball and the pitcher already has you. I mean, it was to the point, like even in pro ball, you wanted not, not that you wanted to get hit, but like you were okay with it happening because now all of a sudden we're here. We are teaching the pitchers throw inside, throw inside, throw inside. I don't care if you hit a guy, we've Mm -hmm. got to establish the inside part of the plate. Now, all of a sudden, the guy gets hit. No matter how many times you're telling that pitcher, throw inside, it's okay to hit him. They hit one guy or two guys, they don't want to throw inside anymore. So, like, as a hitter, it's like, it's okay. if anything, you maybe want to get hit every once in a while because now you're not going to get all these fastballs black of the plate inside. You're going to be able to get some balls middle away that are much easier to hit. It's finding and so it's kind of, yeah, it's your point. Yeah, <laughs> it's, your it's finding really. incentive structures for your kids for that player that like if you have a bunch of players that are scared is trying to create a bunch of incentives for them to get hit and you'll start having more competitive players in that box when you start saying when you start being that coach it's actually like scared for the kid to get hit then the kids are going to be scared and then you're going to have a whole bunch of guys that are just literally away from the plate and the pitcher has the whole zone he can work with Uh, creating those incentives where hey if you if you run out of the box on a hard 90 and getting hit we're gonna we're gonna give you. Well, my dad used to do this. You're gonna think this is funny, but my dad would give Skittles out to the kids, and if you touched a pillow, a base, you get one Skittle. 
one get, like one one skittle but if you get not a bag but if you get if you get a skittle a one skittle <laughs> and so he would literally have these Singular. skittles okay. he literally would have these so one pack lasted the whole season <laughs> yeah so costco <laughs> yeah we didn't we didn't we didn't score that many runs no um and then if you got a double you got two skittles and so every time you touched a pillow you got a skittle so all these all of us would just literally be like oh i want to get hit because i'm at least going to get a skittle or i'm going to try to draw a walk oh or i'm trying to hit a home run so i'm going to get four so like when people had like inside the park home runs like everyone would be like oh you got four skittles and so everyone's your choice of color too or yeah you got choice of colors well, too nice. yeah he was a it was full-fledged uh <laughs> skittle town there so Guys, we're going into the 42-minute mark. Let's do our closing pitches because we got four right now. <laughs> so, um, Jaws, go for it first. Yeah, one. no, I mean, I just, I think just relationships with kids and and also families. We didn't talk about the families as much here today, mm-hmm. but just you, you got to get into the player. You got to get to know him. They got to trust you as a coach or an instructor. And then once that's established, then the the teaching phase can begin. That's it. All starts there. So. My opinion. Me? Yeah, you. Ooh. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I think there's so much trust you have to gain and relatively quickly. Um, so I think that's just something really important. Even for the player and parents, I think you have to be open to that instructor and what he has to say right away. You can't be nest- – don't come to a, a lesson or play for a team being closed off. Honestly, I don't think there's really a point in playing or being on that team. So I think it's a combination. The coach has to be open and quickly gain someone's trust, and the player and the parents have to be open to that coach or that that instructor to build that relationship as quick as possible. It's got to be built first. I mean, the relationship, the trust has to be there. I, I swear as a coach, I'm way more of a psychiatrist nowadays than I am an actual technical coach. It has to be established because if you want them to make the big changes – or get through the hard times with you, they have to believe in you. They have to trust. They have to have a a really strong foundational relationship. If you go the opposite way, you're going to lose them, and you're going to have a ton of turnover every year. To win your players over, you have to be super interested in who they are and genuinely interested, not just trying to hack it and be interested just to get their attention, but genuinely be interested in who they are. And then also, if you want – if you have – troubles um with like hit by pitches or something that's like they're super scared about is creating incentives for them to um get over that fear um if you try to attack that fear head on you're gonna lose if you try to create incentives around it to where kids are gonna buy in um where you get them a soda or you get them skittles or uh, if they do a hard 90 you do something for the team something that is going to get them moving in the right direction because if you go straight on and be like just don't get scared just don't don't go when you go up there it's gonna hit you just don't be scared it's gonna go in the opposite direction that you want it to go in so guys that is my closing pitch that is their closing pitch um we'd like to hear your closing pitch um if you want to send us an email go ahead and email me spiker at rawlingstigers.com we're also on twitter um, my twitter handle is at spiker helms dave is wow jaws David what's yours underscore berkeley i think I think it is David underscore Berkby because yeah, I've typed it so many different times. Mine is at Jaworski Aaron. And then Rafi's is just like 20 Rafi Lopez something. It, like, it, like you're, it's something. A, yeah, it's your like yeah. handle is I've been just kicked odd. off of Twitter a lot. <laughs> 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 Throw that in out there. Throw that out there. <laughs> 
Um, so guys, go ahead and uh, send us some info. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and contact us um, if you if you want to start a conversation, um, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Also, subscribe and um, like the podcast. Thanks, guys. Catch you later.